I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. We have a special report for you today. My producer, Miranda, is joining me. We're going to be talking about the mosque shootings in New Zealand in Christchurch. 49 people were killed in this mass shooting at two mosques that were full of worshipers. A man went in with guns blazing. He was live streaming a lot of this event. 17 minutes of it made it online. Various people were sharing the video. It's just a horrific act that happened. It really has no place in our world today. I want to start off with a clip from the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. This is exactly what she's talking about. You know, this is not who New Zealand is. The people who were um, uh, the subject of this attack today, New Zealand is their home. They should be safe here. The person who has perpetuated this violent act against them, uh, they have no place in New Zealand society. I would describe it as an unprecedented act of violence, an act that has absolutely no place in New Zealand. This is not who we are. One man has been arrested so far and charged with murder. Two other armed suspects were taken into custody. It's unclear what their roles were at this time. The police are still trying to figure that out. The gunman, for his part, left behind a 74-page manifesto that he posted on social media. We'll identify the name that is being out there right now. It's Brenton Tarrant. But that could be subject to change, although the live stream video, all the social media that is associated with what happened, all points to this man. He's a 28-year-old Australian and white nationalist, and he said that he set out to avenge attacks in Europe perpetrated by Muslims. New Zealand is not really a place that you think of for this type of violence. Up until about a month ago, police weren't even carrying guns. So New Zealand doesn't have these types of Things that happen. This is the deadliest shooting in modern history to take place. The last time New Zealand saw an attack, even on this type of scale, was back in 1990. And that was a domestic issue. A gunman killed 13 people following a dispute with a neighbor. 49 people were killed. At least 48 other people suffered some type of injury somewhere in critical condition. From reports that we've been seeing, the gunman was wearing some type of helmet camera. He had on military type clothing. And then he had a, a bunch of guns. There was a video that was live streamed, like you said, and the gunman spends more than two minutes inside the mosque just spraying bullets at these people. There was afternoon prayer time at this mosque, so it was packed. It was full of people as young as four. This took place at Christ Church's Al-Nur Mosque and then also a the Linwood Mosque, which is about three miles away. Uh, 41 people were killed at the Al-Nur Mosque and then the rest at the Linwood site. It's an interesting thing. You don't really think of New Zealand as a place for this kind of violence. They said that in one day, more people were killed in New Zealand than are usually murdered in a year. A lot of people make issue of what the guns were. What do we know about this? New Zealand gun owners have to be licensed to carry guns and gun ownership is seen as a conditional privilege, but firearms don't have to be registered. So it's not like it is here in the United States where people look at it as like a God-given right. And it's not such a tensely debated topic over there. It's just kind of a thing. They said that for every three people, maybe one person has a gun. It's not like a lot of people have guns. They're considered to be a country with some of the loosest gun laws, but they are one of the most peaceful countries at the same time. They said the interview process for some of this involves interviews with individuals who have intimate relationships with the prospective gun owners, including spouses, ex-spouses, roommates. So they want to look, know who you are. But as you said, still, it's fairly straightforward to get one. And for comparisons uh, in the United States, American civilians are estimated to own nearly 400 million firearms, so about 120 per 100 people. 
and New Zealand, they have about 1.5 million firearms, averaging to about one gun per three people because they have about 5 million people in the country there. And in this manifesto, the suspect survived the attack, by the way. He got brought in alive. So we're going to hear more from this guy. But in his manifesto, he said specifically he chose firearms for the effect that it would have on social discourse. He wanted people talking about guns and gun laws and the availability of guns. Yeah, he said specifically about the United States. He wanted it to cause people on the left to do some type of gun control and then cause people on the right to go crazy about it so he can sow discord between the two parties. It's really amazing kind of how he planned this whole thing out. As far as the witness reports and things that we're seeing that were going on there, I mean, some of the details are horrific. There are reports of heroes that tackled the gunman and and wrestled the gun away. There's reports that he walked in, shot a bunch of people. They were huddled on the floor and then shot them again. All sorts of stuff like that. So at one point, he, he entered the mosque. He did his first round of shooting. He exited. On his way out, there was a woman on the sidewalk just pleading, please help me. I don't even think she was aware of who she was speaking to because she had already been wounded. He went to his car, either reloaded or got another weapon, and then shot her point blank in the head and walked back in to continue. He was just shooting indiscriminately. The shooting itself was only a matter of minutes, but uh, some people were saying it took the police maybe 20 minutes to even arrive at the mosque. Right. So I know that was a, a point of contention. People are furious with the response. They're saying it should take about two minutes because of the time of day and the location. They're right in the middle of the city. Residents were quoted as saying it should have been a two minute response time. And it took more than 20 minutes before they were even able to hear sirens of aid coming. The gunman filmed and shared the attacks using an app on his phone called Live And that allows people to broadcast directly to Facebook from personal body cameras. And I I don't know what the point of this would be. In my mind, I'm thinking of it used practically for like if you're going dirt bike riding or snowboarding, skydiving. Yeah, something something cool that you want to show your POV perspective from. And he was using it to make his carnage go viral. And this is one of the more, it's sad to say, interesting parts of this is because it really played out live on the internet, through social media. It was spread along. It was copied and shared by millions of people. It's really, they're still having a challenging time getting these videos removed from the internet. With a lot of these types of massacres and shootings, you know, the investigation takes place after the fact. We look into who the person was. But in this situation, we had video as it happened. Uh, Washington Post tech reporter Drew Harwell positioned it this way. The New Zealand massacre was live streamed on Facebook, announced on 4chan, reposted on YouTube, commented about on Reddit and mirrored around the web before the tech companies could even react. And that's one of the things that we talk about all the time on the podcast, these emerging technologies and how quick people can post stuff and how slowly our tech companies are to respond to it. As you said, Miranda, people are copying the videos, reposting them. It was hours, hours after the tragedy happened that people could still find these videos online. The shooter depended on the passive incompetence of YouTube, Facebook, and the other social media platforms for this message to go. And and people have described it, it's hard to use these words, but people have described it almost as computer game carnage because he had a helmet with the first-person shooter cam, basically. And and we'll get into that in his manifesto. He said that Fortnite taught him to kill and then floss over the corpses of his enemies and flosses the popular dance through Fortnite. This is another one of the hard parts about it. We're not trying to promote his ideology or, you know, uh, spread anything that he wanted We're not to get out there. this at all. Not at all, but we have this video. He posted this manifesto online, and I feel we have to let you know 
what was in this. His name was Brenton Tarrant. He is a white nationalist from Australia. Just he, call him a terrorist. Yeah, definitely. It's totally a terrorist attack. The uh, he, he himself called this a terror attack. It's racially motivated. The Australian prime minister described him as an Australian citizen, an extremist right-wing terrorist. Here's the New Zealand prime minister, once again, Jacinda Ardern, talking about the right-wing extremist. These are people who I would describe as having extremist views that have absolutely no place in New Zealand and, in fact, have no place in the world. So we're going to describe some moments that happened in this video. Uh, if you are squeamish and don't want to hear these details, I feel that we need to mention this stuff. This is important. You know, this is something that happened. We should address it. The reports say the shooter fired at least 205 times from four rifles and used multiple magazines. He stopped to reload. He posted a link of the video in a chat thread on 8chan. He said, well, lads, it's time to stop posting and time to make a real life effort post. I'm going to carry out the attacks against the invaders and will live stream the attack via Facebook. People were praising him, cheering him on, cheering him on to Best do this. Best of luck, Brenton, someone wrote. You're a fucking hero, wrote another. And uh, they all watched on Unfold Live and they were sharing screenshots. That's why we're able to have so much of this detailed information. In the video, he even said, you can hear him saying there, there wasn't even time to aim. There were so many targets. It's just so difficult to talk about this. The gun that he used specifically, if you see pictures of it, it's like an assault type rifle. It's got a lot of written words on it, scratchings and scribblings. And people have already started to pull, put together, you know, what it was. They're kind of odes to other shooters. One of them was a student, uh, Anton London Peterson, a student who killed two migrant children in Sweden. Alexander Bissonette attacked a mosque and killed six people in Canada. His gun is scrawled, has writings all over it with these people. He says he was inspired by the Charleston shooter, Dylan Roof, who went into the church and shot up a bunch of people in there. And then also the far right Norwegian killer, Anders Breivik, who shot up a summer camp on a secluded island. And he was saying he was seeking revenge for various people killed by terror attacks or immigration. and he called himself an eco-fascist. He said that no one ordered his attack, that he made this decision himself, although he did connect with a white supremacy group to get their permission and blessing before carrying out uh, yesterday's attack. The 74-page manifesto at parts plays out kind of like a Q&A. Yeah. There's a question, and you know, I don't know if he asked the question of himself or it's somebody else, but it's a question and answer. And you know, he says, who is he? Just an ordinary white man, 28 years old, born in Australia to a working class, low income family who decided to take a stand to ensure a future for my people. He talks about how he traveled a lot and he just saw the decline of European culture. He said he became radicalized by mass immigration. What he saw as the decline of this European culture. His dad died when he was in high school, just about to graduate, and he apparently inherited money from his father's insurance estate. And using that is what he did to, he used that money to travel. And he didn't like what he saw when he got to certain places. But what's interesting is that a Facebook post under his name reported that he traveled to Pakistan and that he loved it. He loved the people. So weird. So he has an issue with Muslims because he calls them the lowest of the low. And yet he loves Pakistan and, and really encouraged people to come and experience the beauty of the country. He says, it's the birth rates. It's the birth rates. Yes. It's the birth rates. If there's only one thing I want you to remember from these writings, it's that it's the birth rates must change. 
even if we were to deport all non-Europeans from our lands tomorrow, the European people would still be spiraling into decay and eventual death. Part of this manifesto, he says, do you believe those you attacked were innocent? He wrote, there are no innocents in an invasion. All of those who colonize other people's lands share guilt. Did you commit the attack to receive media coverage and to propagate your own writings, beliefs, ideals? No. The attack was an end in itself with all necessary effect required. These writings and their coverage are just a bonus. And again, I want to reiterate, we're just describing what he posted online on social media. We're not trying to promote his ideas. He went on to ask himself, did you intend to survive the attack? This is fascinating. He says, Yes, but death was a definite possibility. These situations are chaotic and virtually impossible to control, no matter the planning. Survival was a better alternative to death in order to further spread my ideals by media coverage and to deplete resources from the state by my own imprisonment. Was the attack racist in origin? Fertility rates are innately tied to race, so yes, there was a racial component to the attack. And specifically why he targeted Muslims. He said they are the most despised group of invaders in the West. Attacking them receives the greatest level of support. Why he's resorting to violence overall. He said there's no nation in the world that wasn't founded by or maintained by the use of force. Force is power. He oddly ranted about climate change, saying that by killing the, the invaders, he could kill the overpopulation and by doing so save the environment. We talk about how he wanted to sow division even in the United States with regards to gun laws. He asked himself if he was a supporter of the president, Donald Trump, and he said, as a symbol of renewed white identity and common purpose, sure. As a policymaker and leader, dear God, no. As people continue to analyze what was in the manifesto, as people continue to analyze what took place in that video, we're going to learn more about this tragedy. We still have yet to find out who all the victims were. All of this is very fresh and raw. Leaders around the world have come to condemn this. The president, Donald Trump himself, has condemned this. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's just this place has no place in our world today. And, and, you know, these are extremists. These are monsters. These are people on the fringes that are, you know, operating in the world and, and go crazy. They radicalize themselves. As he said, he just got radicalized traveling the world and seeing the, the decline of European culture. So we'll continue to follow the story as more things develop. He was due to be in court and to be charged with murder of all these people. So um, we'll just continue to follow this. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of The Daily Dive. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us comments, give us ratings. Let us know the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno, engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.